Hey, and welcome to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amid Mion. Hey, Connor. Hey. Hello. Connor has some grievances to air, so I'm just going to let him take it from here. Well, I wouldn't even go that far. Um, so I, I want to talk about idle games this week. And uh, what, what really inspired me to talk about this is uh, the game Forager I played a little bit this week. And, uh, and beyond that, I also have played a lot of Satisfactory, and I just started Factorio this week. And I think there's a decent argument to call both of those idle games at least as much as you would Forager. And uh, I think my main point is I think calling Forager an idle game is a bit of a misnomer, I wanted to say. Because, uh, I don't know, I played, just for reference, I, uh, I played about eight hours of this game in the past weekend, probably. Uh, have you guys ever played it at all? No. I have watched gameplay of it, but I haven't so, played it. I, this probably isn't everyone's experience. Uh, so I don't want to sit here and say the game is bad, per se, because I, I've seen a lot of positive reviews, and I kind of get where they're coming from. But I, I played it for eight hours, and I found it incredibly difficult to put down. But when I walked away at the end of it, I I realized that I didn't actually enjoy a single moment of that time. Like I, I had just like it was just yeah. a box. It's it's just a little tiny dopamine release every couple seconds. That's what I was gonna say. These games exist that just solely exist as like dopamine factories. Like that's a yeah. thing for sure. And and it really is, because like you play Forager and I thought like at some point like the way the way it had always been pitched to me was like cookie clicker, but an actual game, kinda. And that's just not really true to any extent. Like, yeah, you like decide what path to go down in in Forager and stuff, but at no point do you actually make a decision that has any consequences in that game. Like, okay, just... so let let's let's back up a, a a little bit. How would you define an idle game? Because when you say idle game, my mind instantly jumps to like those mobile games that like you know run in the background and accumulate stuff for you while you're not playing and then like you could choose to you know speed things up by spending real life money or whatever yeah, I, I think of those too and yeah i mean the the ability to spend real money i guess is there too but i i think of those games but i also think of like cookie clicker and the other clicker games yeah because like you know after after a oh couple gosh minutes, yeah um after a couple minutes of clicking you're not really doing any clicking anymore because you have yeah. automation for it the most recent like clicker slash idle game I got into was Adventure Capitalist, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard that of was those. just another one of those cases where, you know, like even when you're not playing, you're making obscene amounts of money. And when I say obscene amounts of money, like in game money or, you know, not real money, obviously, but like we're talking about like unpronounceable numbers, right? Like numbers with like zeros in like the 50 to 60 digit range, you know? Oh, so, yeah. And I think that those are like, Especially the games that do stuff when you're not looking, I think that it's fine that those are just a Skinner box with a dopamine release, like, because they're not demanding that much of you, you know? Yeah. The thing with Forager was that at no point, like, I, I played, maybe you get to that point eventually, but I, I feel like I should have sooner, because I played it for a pretty long time, and was still, like, the core gameplay loop was walk around and click everything on the screen. You had to do it. You never got to stop doing that one thing. And eventually you got to the point where, like, it wasn't even... Like, the point of Forager, you're walking around, you're collecting resources, and when you collect a resource, another resource spawns somewhere on your tiny island. 
And it got to the point where I didn't care what resource I was picking up anymore because I had thousands of everything except the one thing I needed. And uh, I just had to destroy everything so that that one thing would spawn. So I would just walk around this entire area clicking constantly to pick stuff up. And it's so easy to just let your brain turn off and do that. And then yeah, I picked and like, up... Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, like, the game, there's no meaningful gameplay there. The enjoyment you get is just the enjoyment of, like, obtaining a new thing. It's right. just and I guess, pure, you know, like, yeah. dopamine. Okay. We keep using the yeah. word, but it's that's what it is. Yeah. For me in particular, I don't know, that, that rang really hollow. I, I turned it off, and I, I kind of hated myself, because I was like, man, I just wasted <laughs> felt, my entire weekend on this game. Felt like you needed to take a shower or something? Yeah, no, I, well, I felt like I, yeah. I uninstalled the game, because I knew that I would turn it back on, like, if it was easy for me. Like, it, it really was, like, just addictive. And I mean that in the worst possible way in my case. No, I mean, these games have a very addictive quality. Like, I remember, I, I think my peak engagement with idle games was in college, right? Like, around sophomore, junior year. Like, for the classes I wasn't really interested in, I'd, like, just play these idle games, like, all day long. Yeah. And and uh, I, I one that comes to mind, something I haven't thought of in years, uh, a mobile game called Dragon Veil. And it's essentially, like, a chow garden but with dragons right oh like, yeah okay i'm familiar yeah yeah and, and you can like hatch these rare dragons get these rare eggs and just like the whole game is just like sitting around waiting for them to hatch and like raising them uh and like obviously you can speed that up with actual money but yeah like yeah though i don't know like those games can really they, they're kind of dangerous because they can suck you in they're a little bit of a trap yeah and, uh, yeah, and they just don't, like, like, I'm a big proponent, I hate the people who say, like, that video games turn your brain to mush, because I find that to be decidedly untrue, you know, games. These games really do, though. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> games absolutely do. But on the other hand, I think, and me and Mike have talked about these games before, uh, Factorio and Satisfactory sort of at some point turn into idle games, you know, at some point you're just watching the factory run. But I feel like that's different, right? Because like you work to achieve that point. Because yeah, yeah, you, you, and you didn't just work by playing the game. You actually had to, like, unravel the puzzle of how to how to craft these things efficiently, and you had to use your brain and think to get there. And I just and and I and I think that these are really cool, but they miss the mark on being a cool idle game because it requires a lot of input, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, they also take a lot of, uh, both of them are not something you could like leave on your second monitor while you do work or something. They consume a lot of power from your PC or your... Oh, uh, really? I okay. they're available on console. Yeah, Satisfactory especially. But uh, once you've built a mega structure in uh, Factorio, it also is really hard on your computer. Uh, but yeah, I think, I, I really think the, uh, the parallel I want to draw here is that Forager and Factorio scratch a very similar itch for me. But Forager is just if you don't at any point want to have to actually use your brain, you play Forager instead. <laughs> like, yeah. I you know I don't I don't want to sit here and dunk on people who like Forager over Factorio because that that sort of thinking is not for everyone. But that is that is how it came off to me is if I didn't want to use my brain, Forager would give me the same dopamine hit. I just don't feel like you I know, earned like, it. I I do get it. Like very occasionally, I do get like in the mood for something like that. And so I understand the appeal, right? But like, again, like I just, I never play these games for too long because eventually it's just like, what's the point? You know, like you don't, 
after the initial rush of like, oh my god, I'm like getting all this feedback and upgrading or whatever so fast, it's just like it feels. Well, yeah, the moment you start asking what's the point, you they've lost you. But I, right. you know, I. And there's another idle game that I played recently that I think is much better than uh than Forager, although I I think that it is even more deceitful in calling it an idle game, and that's a, a game called Loop Hero that's fairly new. And a Loop Hero I actually really liked. I only played the demo, but I liked it quite a bit. It's like a card. I, I, I heard someone else describe it. Uh, again, the besties. I'm just, you know, eating all their content now. But they uh, they referred to it as... Uh, an RPG, but you're the dungeon master. <clears throat> you okay. have this character just walking in a loop, and you place stuff on and around the loop. Like you, you, the cards you get dealt are world tiles, basically, and different enemies spawn and different resources spawn based on what cards you place. So you kind of draw the setting, and you try to like create a setting such that your hero will survive it, but they'll also get the resources that you want. And then, you know, your hero also gets gear, and you get to decide what gear your hero is using. And that actually dances a lot more with the idle game, I think, I don't know, I think it's a better idle game than Forager is, but they give you decisions to make way too often, I think. I've played all of these games, and I just thought to myself, like, man, I kind of wish this was on my phone, and it gave me a notification every hour or so that I had a decision to make, and I just got, like, you know, uh, when I had a moment, I could look at my phone and be like, oh, wow, I, I made this amount of progress after, because of the good decision I made earlier, and then put it back away. Yeah. I don't know. I just... Yeah. I and I know. feel that way about Satisfactory and Factorio, too. I think there is a a huge empty space in the mobile scene for a factory game that is not quite as fast-paced as these are. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't know if there's a market for that in the mobile space, right? Like, we have all sorts of idle games in the mobile space that, you know, are designed to get people addicted and just take their money, basically. Right, but I just think that people like me who don't enjoy that, like, if I had a Factorio, a slow-paced Factorio for my phone, I would absolutely play it. Like, if I was just making a few decisions a day and, like, getting to see how that played out, you know, drawing you know, a new production every, you know, maybe space is your limiting factor in, in a factory game instead of time. So, like, how you, you know, you unlock space over time so that you can expand. I don't know. I don't I don't exactly know how they would pace it because obviously those games, I don't know, just the fact that I can't, like, run it in the background and just let the numbers get gigantic <laughs> is where Factorio and Satisfactory kind of lose me. I, I really crave the game that I can run like or even turn off and like it just runs the numbers in the background and so the I next mean, time i pick it up i'm gonna go a little deeper into the differences between those two games because they're very different both satisfactory, satisfactory and factorio. factorio yeah they're very different from each other i guess i'm not far enough into factorio to see that yet i mean i, I definitely see some mechanical differences like the ability to put two things on a conveyor belt as opposed to one and stuff like that but like factorio you're always trying to expand because eventually you're going to run out of resources yes that that is i haven't gotten to that point yet but i am uh constantly aware of it yeah yeah satisfactory you don't run out of resources there's no need to expand other than i want more so you're 
satisfactory is even less conducive to like running in the background because it's such a yeah. big 3D game. Like when I find myself playing sat- uh, satisfactory, if I'm waiting for something, I'll just go explore. Yeah. See, neither of these games sound like idle games to me, or at least idle games as I know them, right? Like, I mean, there's too much like, involved from the player, I think. I mean, Mike, maybe you disagree, but I, I do feel like at some point you are idling, like watching your factory work and just kind of collecting massive numbers of things. Maybe I'm really stretching the name, because I, I wouldn't call Factorio an idle game, like if I was putting it in a genre, the Satisfactory or factorio i just think that there are things idle games could learn from satisfactory and factorio i think is what i'm trying to say i think that uh just just the parallels that uh forager has to factorio i think because like you you do a ton of automation in in uh god i'm stuttering today you do a lot of automation in uh forager and you do a lot of automation in factorio the difference is that you actually have to like think to do it in Factorio and like make meaningful gameplay decisions and stuff. And Forger does not give you the opportunity to do that. You know, just like on like a broad level, what a weird concept for a game genre, right? Like play it and get good at it. So you don't have to play it. Right. That's basically what we're saying. That's what I mean, these yeah. games are, right? That That is the, yeah, that's the end goal is to, yeah. is to become, but I, I don't know. I feel like that's the end goal of like any game where you increase in power and stuff like the goal of any RPG is to become so powerful that you just one shot everything, you know, like, well, I don't know. I think most RPGs have a pretty involved story. And okay. But when you RPG play Maple story. story, yeah. And MMO maybe. Yeah. I mean, even in like, I don't know, I got a lot of satisfaction and yeah, there was obviously an amazing story and everything, but in dragon quest, you know, I got a lot of satisfaction from just, grinding and getting to the point that i could just annihilate everything yeah I, yeah there is a little c- catharsis in that in rpgs and, but and like no I, I wouldn't i wouldn't ever call an rpg an idle game oh no no i'm just comparing yeah no we're, we're reaching far outside of the idle game territory at this point i'm just saying like the idea of getting good enough at a game that you barely have to play it is not yeah. unique to idle games because like noita you know my uh my long runs typically uh, all I'm doing is walking around and finding stuff because I've become so powerful, nothing can damage me, and uh, I can kill everything in less than a second. Yeah. You know, that's just... that's. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like when you reach that point in the game, it's it's cool for a little bit, but my interest wanes very quickly at that point, right? Definitely, like, and that's, yeah. that's where idle games prosper, I think, is that they... That's where the game starts, is when you're, like, at the point where you don't have to play it anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the weirder genres we have in our industry, I think. Uh, it is, and I, I like it a lot. Like, I, I don't know, something about something about a game that I can be playing while I do other things is just very attractive to me. I mean, like, it, it just, like, fills that base desire to be doing something, right? But, like, you're not actually doing anything, but you yeah, kind of are. Yeah, it also kind of fulfills the promise Animal Crossing makes, where it's like a game world that continues whether you're in it or not. Yeah, persistence. You know? Yeah, persistence. So there's something to that. And there's also just something to a game that only needs input every once in a while. That that appeals to me a lot. Like, you know, people say that there are games that like, oh, you know, you can have a, a play session that's only like five or ten minutes long. And that's not 
typically super attractive to me. Like sitting down and playing a single level of Mario, like yeah, that's a that's a tiny bite sized piece, but that has never really been attractive to me. I, I sit down and play a lot of Mario, but then like with an idle game, like you sit down and you th- use your brain and solve this problem for a couple minutes and then you put it away and come back in a few hours to see if it worked out for you something about that's way more attractive to me yeah i almost i don't know sometimes like back when i used to play these idle games i almost felt like kind of enslaved to them right like i'd check them like compulsively and like oh yeah yeah it's definitely uh it can really get under your skin and into your head i mean yeah the 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 dopamine addiction is very real it, it, I had to delete Forager, <laughs> you know, it, they, cause it, you know, Forager still, it, it presses what an idle game can be, but it did have the same, the same, uh, Skinner box that is just disgusting. <laughs> yeah. See, like my I, first idle game actually had an end state. Really? What was it? Yeah. Uh, it was idle oil tycoon. I think it was like okay. a really basic idle game, but it had an end state, which was break the Merciful. game. That's merciful. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is. no, you, the game physically wouldn't allow you to buy anything after a certain point. So think, the end state was just having everything and then but, breaking your your money. The first game I remember in the genre is probably Cookie Clicker. Maybe, um, oh, what was it called? Some tower management game. And, uh, uh, it was like, was it crazy. like the, yeah, like Crazy you, Tower? You're like yeah. managing a hotel, basically. Yes, or an I'm, I'm, we're yeah. thinking of the on same game. I remember yeah. loving that game in I, high yes, school. Yes, I was super into that game. I think yeah, I, early, I, early college is when I played that. I was in, yeah, that that timeline checks out. I'm pretty sure that I would have been in high school. And uh, yeah, I something about that game. Nothing's really scratched that same itch to me. That actually, in my mind, is like one of the most perfect idle games. Right, because like you, you would like amass enough money from your hotel to buy another floor of your hotel. So it was like this never-ending loop, and it was really satisfying because like yeah. you mic- micromanage your like little customers, your guests in the hotel too. They'd have like little quests for you, like right things they wanted in the hotel, and it was it was I don't know it was, that actually was like really fun. And I do yeah. think, but but there also was like a you know a dark side to that game as well, right? Like you could purchase. Oh, things yeah. to speed up building floors on the hotel and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, I think, was an all right idle game. Uh, it just made a couple of missteps that really pushed me out of it. Because, you know, idle game in a sense that like you would start some stuff and come back and see that it was done. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it really. I don't know. It, it obviously didn't capture the, ch- the puzzle solving and uh, factory challenges and stuff that I'd love that I've talked about a little bit before. Right. But uh I think I think the only major misstep Pocket Camp made was uh, not having an interconnected world. The fact that you had to go through a menu to get places really took me out of the game. Yeah, little 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 touches like that can really impact immersion. Yeah, and I'm not even saying that like a game that is all menus is that bad because that tower game was essentially all menus. Your tower was just part of the UI. Like, yeah, the pre- the presentation in that game was very good. It was amazing, yeah. And I think they made a bunch of other games. I imagine I'd probably like yeah, Fallout they did. Shelter too, because Fallout Shelter is a similar game, I believe. Yeah, you're just building down <laughs> instead of up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I uh, that that whole this, I don't know. You know, like it's weird. Like this conversation's making me want to like get on my phone and find one. <laughs> you know, really, because I've stick- actually been like inclined to start developing uh, a mobile game. I've thought about it a couple times, but uh, 
I want to play through a couple more. I want to do a mobile factory game. I think maybe. This is mm-hmm. not me saying that I'm going to do that. This is me saying I've been thinking about it. Remember, I, I remember feel like... when, uh, when mobile gaming was like this brand new exciting sphere and then all we got out of it was mobile, was idle games? Yeah. I remember when people were saying that there wasn't going to be a PS4 and Xbox, you know, or PS5. 720. Because I remember being games. afraid it would be true. I mean, I think we even... I mean, we've discussed that fear on the podcast before, I think. like. Uh, no, no, this was way before our podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, but we've discussed it before. Yeah, around. We, we discussed yeah. the fact that this was a fear, like, yeah. going into the 2010s, but it just seems so goofy in hindsight now. But, like, back then, right, like, that w- was a real concern. Like, well, pe- people yeah. weren't really, you know, like, the numbers, like, for the PS3 and 360, while still good, weren't, like, insane. Like, they weren't PS2 numbers. And, yeah. like, the encroachment of, like, mobile, like, you know, that's when smartphones really became a thing. Like, people were like, okay, this is just going to be gaming for everyone. And, like, they pointed to Japan, right? Like, Japan, like, stopped playing console games altogether. It was all handheld and mobile games for them. So people really saw that as, like, a harbinger of things to come. And as we know now, like, PS4 and Xbox One totally shattered that prediction. Yeah. Thank goodness. I think a lot of people look to Japan and they're like, look at what they're doing. And then you got to realize we're not Japan. Well, I mean, I also sort of get the impulse to do that because Japan is like essentially like the father of the gaming industry. You know, like, you know, they 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 have created so many trends that others follow for years. Right. Like Japan really sort of sets the tone for what gaming is or at least they used to. Right. Like, yeah, I, don't I was going to say the they. they they, they that's not so much fell the case way behind a couple yeah. of years ago. Like the 2010s, Japan spent a lot of time behind. I don't really feel like that's the case anymore at all. No, I definitely feel like America is at the forefront now in terms of like, you know, being the epicenter for games and game development. But yeah. uh, yeah. So that was just kind of a rough tangent, uh, largely because I played a lot of games in the past two weeks and we didn't have an episode last week and I had to talk about it. I, I have also played a lot of games, yes. <clears throat> and I, I have other games to do and games we've been playing. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to that. But yeah. there is something very interesting I want to talk about. And just a personal sort of note for me. Nothing gets me more excited in gaming than new consoles, right? Like that sort of, that sort of thing really sort of gets me excited just because it represents all sorts of possibility, right? And we have, you know, pretty much confirmed rumors. We talked before about, like, the new Nintendo Switch, right? But now we have, like, sources like Bloomberg saying that, like, it's a thing. It's in production or, like, it's going into production soon. And we've gotten some details on it. And the details are kind of juicy, I think. So this thing, this Switch, is still reportedly going to be, like, a Switch, right? Like, it's not going to be handheld only or docked only. It's a hybrid console. Yeah. It is going to have a 7-inch screen as, apo- as opposed to a 6.1-inch screen of the current Switch. So the screen's going to be significantly bigger, I think. Uh, and that's cool. Uh, the screen's going to be an OLED screen, which is really cool in my book. Yeah, that's really cool, because the, the screen on my Vita is so nice. I have one of the old OLED ones. Uh, beefier CPU, we don't have the details on that, but like it's going to be an improved CPU from the actual the, the normal Switch. GPU, I think, is the most interesting, right? So it's going to be a new NVIDIA GPU with DLSS, uh, a DLSS solution baked into the console, right? So and for those who don't know, uh, DLSS is like this really hot new technology 
that allows for uh, algorithmic upscaling of an image to higher resolutions. So yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, uh, because DLSS does not work arbitrarily. Uh, DLSS has to be incorporated in a game during development, and it's not a simple thing to do. But so, okay, so yeah, go ahead. So what that means, probably, I mean, what what that means definitely is that you're not going to be able to plug in any old game into a Switch Pro and get 4K out of it, probably. So if, uh, uh, right, I I think you're right, but I I think there's a question we have to answer right now. Do we think? You know, I don't. I don't think this is the case, but I still want to pose the question: Do we think that this is Nintendo's next-gen console? No. I think yes. I th- I think it is a uh, upgrade right to the Switch. Okay, I right? thought you were saying it was a next-gen console. It's no, not been I, long enough. The Switch no, is too it hot. It has not been. Yeah. It's been like four years, right? Yeah. If that. Yeah, there's but, another three or four years before we get another Nintendo yeah. console, probably. And, this and plus, the it really doesn't make sense. The Wii U console generation was cut short because that console was a massive failure. But the yeah. Switch is like the most successful thing since the Wii. So. Yeah. No. This is a. This is a. I hope a PS4 Pro situation. That's the I'm thing. I'm afraid. Like, the only reason I pose that question is because we don't know for sure. No, we, we just know, know that this console exists. We're just assuming that it's an upgrade. It has like it, and it most definitely is. But it fits there, Nintendo's mo to release an upgrade about three it's or four just years always, in. You know, like I always just have to pose the Nintendo factor, the wild card factor, because Nintendo could do anything, right? Yeah, like, but uh, you just think like they did the DSi there at the end on the DS. They they did the new 3DS, and the new 3DS is the point that makes me really worried that this thing is just going to be a waste of money for everybody because. No games took advantage. Like, the new 3DS, literally, it was, like, a hardware flag or something, whether or not a game would use its extra processor power. Well, okay. So, and yeah, no that, games used it. I think that is a concern for, perhaps, Nintendo first-party games, but, like, we've seen third-party developers get accustomed to the multiple SKUs on Xbox and PlayStation, right? Like, third parties are very much used to well, creating a SKU for PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox One S, Xbox One X, etc. We also don't really know how big of a leap this is because using DLSS, like upscaling 1080p to 4K with DLSS, with DLSS is not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, so it, it, it's it's curious, right? Like, I they the Bloomberg is saying it's a, going to be a new Nvidia chip. But, like, that really doesn't tell us anything. We don't know the specs on this chip. We don't know how much more powerful it is. We just know but, that it probably supports DLSS, but right? But what's interesting, like, but yes, that it almost definitely supports DLSS. That's, like, pretty much confirmed at this point. But what's yeah. interesting is this uh, new Switch will be targeting 720p resolution handheld, but up to 4K docked, and that is a huge difference. Yeah, I, I've seen developers already complaining about having to develop UI I mean, that Such. is just about as massive as a, you know, like the lowest end of HD console gaming up to the current highest end. Like to be yeah. able to support that range must be a potential nightmare, I would think. It sucks. Yeah, I uh, I imagine it's very annoying because. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> it's very. I don't even know all the ways it's annoying because I've not done a ui heavy game nor one that it, it i do just it just makes me of. think you know like you'd think if this thing was you know a proper you know powerful boost over the regular switch it should be able to handle 1080p 
undocked, but you'd think maybe that means that Nintendo is sort of thinking like the extra power will be used for frame rate boosting. Yeah, which is I would also rather, like kind yeah. of iffy because a lot of Nintendo games already run at 60 frames per second. So, well, you know, Breath of the Wild doesn't. Breath of the Wild 2 is on the horizon. There, right. there is no, there's really no doubt in my mind that Breath of the Wild 2's development is influencing um, the development of this. I can upgrade. absolutely see Breath of the Wild 2 launching with this console. Oh yeah, like, that, yeah. So the Bloomberg article said it was uh, the Switch Pro launches later this year with a bunch of games. I, I believe yeah. was the was the phrasing. There is no doubt in my mind that this launches day and date with Breath of the Wild 2. Like, that's just yeah, the play. Yeah, that's, that's got to be it, right? Like, if it's not, it's... it's yeah, I really have to other question what Nintendo's be... doing, you know? Yeah. But, and, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I wonder, you know, like... It's... it's we, we touched on this in the past, but it's so fascinating that Nintendo's even going down this route, right? Like, I never thought I'd see, like, maybe, like, until two generations from now, a Nintendo console with a 4K resolution support you know yeah yeah i mean the question is i still just like is it actually going to get used like the game i think of that needs this boost the absolute most the first party game is breath of the wild the very first game on switch and uh yeah that's pretty much the decider for me is like if nintendo maybe not implement the dlss and stuff but like actually like if i get a frame rate boost in older games this is a day one buy for me. I, I don't I feel really like, care how much it know, costs. Like, like we like we said, like I feel like that. I don't, I don't know about the resolution bump for older games, but I feel like the frame rate boost has to be there, right? Like it, it, it must be. It doesn't like, have it, to be there. It, it, it doesn't have I've to, but it's got to be there. It doesn't have to be there. Yeah. It, it should have been there on the new 3ds. There are there are uh, fan made mods for games. Actually, I think there's a. If you have custom firmware on a 3DS, there's actually a flag you can tick that just makes it use the extra processor power for any game you launch. And it causes minor issues in a select few games, which people believe is the reason Nintendo did not just unlock it for all games. Okay, yeah. And very, very few games ever used the advanced processor power of the new 3DS. It was like Smash Bros., Majora's Mask. Yeah, I, I, don't, think, I don't think it'll be the same for this Switch. I, I do think that... I just don't know why you think that because it's Nintendo. I mean, like, what's the point, though? Like, you know, like, what was the point then? It's Nintendo, man. I don't uh, <laughs> I want you to be right. I want so yeah. badly for you to be right. But I'm just not ready. I'm not putting in a pre-order. That, that's another thing we should talk about is whether or not anybody's even going to be able to. Get oh, this thing's this going thing. to be impossible to find. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like, it's so, going yeah, to be, that's that's what sucks is I'm not willing to put in a pre-order. It's going to be I the know. next PS5. Like, no one's going to be able to get it. Yeah. Unless I know for certain. I'm not putting in a pre-order, and if I don't put in a pre-order, like, that that was the joke I was seeing, was like, maybe you'll see this thing in a, a retro game shop 15 years from now and be able to grab one. Dude, you know what would be great, you know, like, if Nintendo's finally adopting all these modern technologies and stuff, like resolutions and all of that, it'd be great if they uh, supported HDR on this console. Like, a lot of Nintendo games are really, you know, have all sorts of bright colors, and I think HDR would really make those games pop even more. But uh, no confirmation on that yet. Yeah, HDR would be incredible in a Breath of the Wild sequel. I think it would go a yeah. long way. Or even like Mario Odyssey, like with. Oh HDR. yeah, that Absolutely. would be incredible. Yeah, Nintendo just makes gorgeous games. But uh, yeah, so there's one other important point in that Bloomberg article. Analysts are pegging this at from uh, an MSRP price from. Uh, 
350 to 400 and i have a feeling it's going to be 400 so yeah how do you I, how do you guys feel about that price i mean i'll i'll pay it if it if it has the feature if it's not a new 3ds if it's actually a switch pro and i'm going to get improvements to the games i, I like, already have i feel like I, power wise this is going to be in line with the ps4 xbox one yeah right like i feel like power wise it'll be there and granted, those consoles weren't powerful enough to do 4K resolution, but, you know, we've got DLSS in this thing, so... Right, DLSS is a game-changer. Yeah, oh it's my god, will this, be the, will this be the only... Yes, console. <laughs> yeah. No DLSS in PlayStation or Xbox, but Nintendo gets it. <laughs> Nintendo's about to release the most powerful next-gen console. <laughs> god, well, that, I don't, I I don't that. think that's true. Well, that's not true. That. But... They 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 they're releasing the console with the most cutting edge technology, which is hilarious. It's really funny. No, that's yeah, the other thing that we have to talk about is that there is no doubt in my mind that this thing will still have Joy-Con drift. No. Yeah, that would will. be. I mean, it probably will, but I, yeah. You know, it, it's it's crazy to me that like, where's AMD's DLSS solution? Like, I feel like they should have come up with about. this. Already. Yeah, they have they have one. It's just not out yet. They're working yeah. on it. And I, you know, it's crazy to me that like so you know for those who don't know, uh, the the PlayStation and Xbox are based on AMD architecture or AMD you know GPUs rather, while Nintendo gets Nvidia, and it's it's just fascinating because like I I truly feel like Nvidia just stomps over AMD in a lot of respects, and it's fascinating to me that like the company with the least concern over power and like that sort of thing is leveraging Nvidia. Well, I don't I guess think that's uh, just how those deals worked out way back then, but Oh, well, I think it's more than that. I don't think uh AMD has any skin in the uh, mobile game and uh the Switch is using the same uh or at least a a derivation of the uh Tegra, Tegra Nvidia CPU. chips that go in phones. Yeah. So, AMD doesn't have a product to compete with that, I don't think. Nvidia is really Mm-hmm. the only good only option. option yeah 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 but like yeah so at four hundred dollars assuming this thing is four hundred dollars i would expect you know similar power you know like it, it's strange right because you can get a ps5 for 400 presumably you could get an xbox next generation console you can get a series s for less than 400 this thing being positioned at 400 really tells the average consumer that like this machine stands alongside those, and it'd be can't interesting play, to see if it actually does. Can't play Mario on an Xbox. All right, like can't play Breath always, of the Wild too. As always, we talk about all these things, but yeah. it always comes down to the games at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. At the end of the day, if at the end of the day, I could this thing could be terrible and not not even have backwards compatibility. And have Breath of the Wild two exclusive, and I'll buy it day one. Like if if this is the place. Okay, that I so have to go to question, interesting question. Do we think? And I think this is a horrible move if Nintendo does it. Do we think Nintendo will make new Switch exclusives? Yes. Really? That, yes. That's really bad to me. I don't think that's uh, a good idea. Well, they did only because there's precedent, and it's it's a weird space, right? Because the old. I don't know, because they did some ports for the 3DS that were new 3DS exclusives. But, yeah, and they were, they were console like, ports I feel like, handheld. And so there's I no, don't know if that's acceptable yeah. now, right? Like, maybe back then people weren't as mad about it, but, like, this would set the internet on fire if they did that today. See, I, 
I don't think they'll do it for any of their major releases. Because at I, that point, I, it's just like the same, like functionally as a new co- generation console, right? Like, sorta. I mean, they they never only did new 3DS exclusives. There were just a few games that were new 3DS exclusive. Like, right. there were only like yeah. two or three ever. I think there will definitely be, or at least I hope Nintendo allows it, because I think it opens the doors for a lot of ports. Uh, I hope there are new Switch exclusives from third parties. You know, that just opens the door for a lot of console experiences that are coming out soon to also come to Switch, I think. Yeah, and and it's weird that, like, if Nintendo mandates that, like, if you make a game for the Switch, it has to be able to hit all the targets, right? So, like, it would have to hit... Seven, or it had to hit regular switch undocked, regular switch docked, new switch undocked, new switch docked. That's four different, very, uh, very disparate targets for a game to hit. Yeah, but so, didn't Microsoft say any game that comes out on the Series X has to also work on the Series S? I mean, obviously this is twice that. But, yeah, this is twice that. Yeah, but it's still there's pressure. <laughs> and can in you the imagine? Industry. Okay, so imagine you're a third party developer. That oh, wants yeah. to put your game on everything, right? Okay, yeah, let's you have think to hit here. Four, it's four targets two, especially, on the Switch, a PS5. Yeah, no, no especially, especially right because, now like, where you have it's Xbox cross-gen. One, PS4. Exactly. Let's yeah. actually no. This is an interesting exercise. Let's count them: PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, PS5, Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, Nintendo Switch, uh, undocked, docked. That's eight, and then per, Switch Pro docked, undocked. That's ten different targets it's nasty that's yeah. a nightmare plus pc if you if you're really plus gonna see yeah that's 11 yeah and that's then PC, 11 pc might as well be another 150 well you know yeah yeah because it has to work at every resolution and... yeah but for the sake of argument let's just say 11 different platforms like yeah. that's just a nightmare like that that in itself will extend development time by god knows how long well we're we're leaving the uh well, Xbox maybe isn't, but we're leaving the space where PS4 is going to be supported, I think, in the next year. Like, by the time the Switch Pro is out, I don't think PS4 yeah. games are going to be Yeah, so out. cross-gen usually lasts, like, for the first couple of years of a console generation, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, but but for uh, for a window there, it'll be it's bad. messy, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, if I, was, if I was an indie dev targeting console, I would probably be targeting only only Switch and PS4 and Xbox One. I don't think I would target all those other things. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. Well, yeah, like, I, and I think you have a point there, right? Like, you you can get away with only targeting PS4 and Xbox One because PS5 and Xbox Series are backwards compatible, right? So yeah, you can get away with exactly. that. You, like, you don't have to optimize for the next and generation. S- and the Switch Pro will be back compat, too. I wonder, I mean, I don't know. We always talk about the end of console generations. <laughs> I mean... You know, is Nintendo dancing that line too? We don't know. I wouldn't put a page. I mean, if somebody's going to leave an answer, I think we'll have a more definitive answer once we see what this thing is. If this thing really is like a PS4 Pro or Xbox Series X, then like it's it's kind of wild to be that Nintendo is being like, okay, maybe we could just create new iterations of the Switch, right? I mean, but I, but, I think that's an extremely attractive option because like for the first time ever. I don't want a new Nintendo console. Here's like, the thing, though. I, I, I heavily disagree that Nintendo will even consider that because they're Nintendo, right? The name of Nintendo's games, Innovation. Eventually, despite how amazing of an idea the Nintendo Switch is, 
I think it's the most clever thing they've done probably ever in terms of consoles. Yeah, they I mean, will abandon like it. the original NES. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they will they they will leave it behind for a new idea. Whether the idea is good or bad, they will do it cuz they're Nintendo. God, I hope not. But yeah, they will. You know it's true. <laughs> you know it's yeah. true. You yeah. know it to be true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, one final point about these consoles that I think would be sort of interesting to consider. What do you think they're going to call this thing? The Switch. The new Pro. Nintendo Switch. Uh, okay, so I don't think they're going to call it the new Nintendo Switch just because they use that paradigm already, right? Like, I feel like they have, like, for DS, they have, like, DS, DSi, right? Game Boy, Game Boy Color. I mean, I knowing think... Nintendo, it's going to be called the Switch U. Or no, that would be that would have to be the sequel. That'd be the new console. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> They'll Switch call this U. the Switch 2, and the next and the next console will be the Switch if the, U. If this thing is named the Switch... Okay, hypothetically, if this thing is Switch U, I will sell every Nintendo thing I own and never buy a Nintendo product ever again. No, you won't. You would never do that. If it is the Switch U, I'm saying I'll do that. <sighs> I hope it's not. Oh, that is just I hope so it's the Switch. I, I do strongly think it's going to be a stupid name, though. I, okay, I would so, bet on that. <clears throat> in all seriousness, I mean, let's, let's let's have a fun game. Let's let's all come up with a name for it. So okay, so I think the leading contender, like I think the rumor is, it's going to be called the Super Nintendo Switch, which I actually That's so good. The only reason I don't want it to be called that is because I want the next console to be that, right? Like, because I want the jump from like NES to SNES, except you know, switch to Super Nintendo Switch. Okay, but Super... Okay, but the releasing a new console and calling it the Super Nintendo Switch, that's bad branding again. The You know, the Nintendo to Super Nintendo confused people. So, like... That's true. That's true. Yeah. I would... That, oh, I my God. If they call it a Super Nintendo Switch, I don't care what it does. I'd buy it day one. <laughs> I no, love that, that I think so I think much. that is the best name. I think another... Another popular rumor based off some weird, like, trademark someone unearthed is... Uh, nintendo switch plus which is considerably yeah. worse yeah. i think any thoughts on that one guys no, i don't it's like that bad. one it's a terrible yeah. name so aside from those two what do we think nintendo could call it uh the nintendo swap mm, no i don't like that in half it's really bad yeah Although, honest. you know, it's really bad, so it might happen. It is possible, right? Yeah. The only company that does... Well, no, I shouldn't say N- that. What if they called it the Nintendo Entertainment Switch? Oh, that's... Oh, that'd be so bad. I think that's really too bad. gamey. I, yeah, I no, don't know. I think the strongest contenders are Super Nintendo Switch or Nintendo Switch Plus. Yeah, or Switch but Pro. Like, I mean, people have been or, saying yeah, Switch, Switch Pro, 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 but, like, I don't know if they'd want to... I mean, I, I Sony doesn't have a monopoly on the word pro. It's fine, no. but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I fear that it's not going to be any of those things. Uh, and what if they, what if they call it really the stupid. Nintendo Switch undocked, like unleashed, undocked? But that's so confusing. Yes, it is. It's exactly no. what Nintendo would do. No, 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 no. Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, like, I think those are the only real viable names. Anything outside of that is getting into the realm of the absurd. Yeah. But, but again, Nintendo. Yeah. So I actually had one more point to make about the, the Switch Pro. And that's, um... We've called it, you know, we've, you know, we've just casually called it, like, all of those iterations during this podcast, which is really funny. 
Yeah. We've called it Switch Pro. We've called it Super Switch. We've called well, it. One more thing about the Super Nintendo Switch. Um, yeah. So basically, since very early in the Switch's lifespan, you've been able to emulate it with a. Well, I'm not going to name drop it because it's mainly used for piracy. I don't want to get Nintendo on us. But anyway, I. If if they release a new Nintendo Switch and I am not happy with it, like what's stopping me? I, I would probably just use an emulator instead. Like I already have my Nintendo Switch and I'll feel left in the dust. I think they, there's something serious they have to contend with there is that. I mean, obviously, not a lot of people are going to do that. Not a lot of people. Well, a lot more people now have gaming PCs than ever before. But uh, but a lot of people like a lot, you know, a lot of Nintendo's like, target audience, which is younger people. Like won't yeah. go through the trouble of. But uh, getting my point is, you can already play Breath of the Wild at 4K60 on PC. Yeah, I've seen videos on YouTube, and I think I actually that's... I saw a video in my YouTube feed today of like 8K Breath of the Wild with like HDR yeah. and ray tracing. I was like, okay, let's calm and down I've never, here. Yeah, I've never done it. You know, I've never played any of these games on PC. Largely because like I already had it on Switch. You know, I already got the experience everybody else had. But, like, if there suddenly is a Switch Pro that I can't even buy because it's sold out everywhere, uh, maybe maybe I download an emulator. Maybe I do play Breath of the Wild in 4K60. <laughs> maybe I do play Breath of the Wild 2 in no, 4K I, on my new 3080, you know? You say if that'll happen, I'm telling you that's going to happen. This thing's going to get announced. Yeah. It'll be sold out for over a year. Yeah, I know. And I hate it. Yeah. I mean, the Switch was doing that, and we weren't even in, like, a massive silicon shortage yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally a thing that's happening right now, too. That's going to really impact... Like, we've already had problems, like, with yeah. shipments for the new PS5 and Xbox, and, like, that's just going to lengthen the duration of the drought, I think. Yeah. Which, you know, like, it could, you know, have interesting ramifications. Like, do you think that'll maybe extend this console generation? But maybe that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah, that's a discussion for another episode after I've actually had a chance to research that, I think. <laughs> So I, uh, you know, I'd be just be talking out of nowhere right now. Okay, and so do we... Yeah, go ahead, the Mike. The second the U.S. government decides to give me uh, computer upgrade money, honestly... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah. can't upgrade my computer. Yeah, yeah it's that, that's like that. why you're looking at VR, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, I mean, that's tax refund money. Yeah. Uh, so do we have any final thoughts on the Switch? I think it's super exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing more details on it. I think it's interesting, but like anything else, I'm at most cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I, I just become a little kid again when it comes to new consoles. I love yeah. I love it when yeah. new consoles release. But yeah, we have, at least I have, at least a lot of games I want to talk about. So should we... I, I already talked about that? a lot of mine. I kind of built it into a rant earlier because I didn't want to have like a million games I've been playing. Yeah, so did you play anything other than uh, uh Yeah, I, I played through all of Prey. And that game, I mean, I, I I played it the moment it was on Game Pass. Like, I, I want to sit here and say, like, I hate that I waited this long to play it because it's so good. But also, I yeah, it. small interjection, uh, Bethesda Games hit ba- at Game Pass because that deal was finalized. So that's yes. that's huge. Yeah, We finally got EA Play on PC as well. Yeah. But I, I haven't had a chance to jump into that hardly. Uh, but yeah, uh, Prey, incredible, incredible game. It, it's my first 0541 game or 0451 game. Uh, so, uh, for the uninitiated, 0451 is, like, a signature developers like to leave in, uh, immersive sim games, 
to kind of like it's kind of like a statement of intent like yeah it's a connection to the original immersive sims which was yeah i think system shock yeah i believe so i believe it's a connection to system shock it's basically uh typically there will be a vault or a door that you need a code to open Always the first door always the first door and it's 0451 will be the password and so if you're ever playing a game and you can't find the code you can just guess 0451 and there's a decent chance that it'll be a reference yeah but anyway uh this is i think the first one of those i've ever played and i i just fell in love and i i played it wrong like i i found out like when i had almost beaten it that i had totally skipped out on a way of getting stronger that i didn't even know about and i still just had an incredible time even though i was like playing it in a way that i don't typically like i played it fairly stealthy and i don't like stealth games very much but i just constantly felt like i barely had enough resources to get to the next room and i constantly felt like i was like using my brain to get around like you know limitations my character had you know i didn't have the upgrade i needed to get through here but maybe i Wait, can connor did you miss the shotgun no i didn't miss the shotgun i did miss the um the beam the q beam ah uh, the q beam okay never got it but what I missed was the fact that you could craft neuromods. I never, I didn't see that until like right before the the ending. <laughs> I was like, what? I could have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah, I uh, think so, yeah. my end game of prey was between crafting shotgun rounds and uh, crafting neuromods. Yeah, I I only crafted like two neuromods the whole game because I didn't know you could do it. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't know. I was so immersed in this. This extremely well-realized space station, Talos 1, that the game takes place on. And uh, I don't know. I just really got into it. I was, like, super invested. You, like, spend a lot of time reading emails. And, like, you'll read an email in one place that was sent from one computer. And later in the game, you'll be in a different office. And you'll find the computer that received that email. And you'll be like, oh, this is that character that I was reading about earlier. And, like, they, they did this thing. And you can also, like, read about the disaster that's happening on Talos 1, you can see, like, the beginnings of it starting in the emails, like, people noticing stuff out of place, and, and you're like, oh, I know why that's happening. And you, I don't know. I just really liked it. I was very engrossed. I, uh, I do this thing a lot of the time when I play games. I'll, I'll finish a game, and then, like, to digest it, I'll look up, I'll look it up on YouTube and see what other people have to say about it. Yeah, that's, and, uh, I do that too. I watched uh, two two major videos about Prey. I watched Errant Signal. I love Errant Signal. Uh, he, he has a video on Prey, and I think it's extremely good. I, I love almost everything he puts out. And I watched Joseph Anderson, who I never agree with, but I watch a lot of his videos. I typically don't love... His videos are behemoths. Yeah, they're very long, and I typically don't agree with anything he says. I think he's... I think he's typically far more for for somebody who ranks games as low as I do. I think Joseph Anderson is uh he's very a li- critical. he's a little yeah. clickbaity about it too, but he's very negative. Correct me if I'm wrong. Joseph Anderson was the one who did like a three hour long video on The Witcher One, right? Maybe the that the thing right. he did that I always remember is uh Super Mario Odyssey. It's no masterpiece, and I yeah. just like all right, you're you're just trying to get anger clicks here, like. I don't know. Yeah, that's him. And and okay. he makes a, a lot of good points in the video. But then I step away and I just play the game and I'm like, this is really fun. <laughs> like, I don't know. No, he, I, I mean, he his a lot of his criticism is very valid, but he's he's definitely very hard to please, I think. Yeah, he's just extremely negative. And uh, he and he and Errant Signal, they actually had the same sort of issues with Prey, which was that uh, they they both thought that it got very boring in the middle and uh, that the 
that it just kind of dragged on way longer than it should have. And I, I, I see what they're saying, but it really did not come off that way to me at all. Maybe I just expected it because it, the way that it dragged on was kind of tropey. Like you get, you get to the room where you're supposed to meet the guy you've been talking to the whole game. And then suddenly there's a crisis and you have to go fix the crisis. Like, I don't know. That's video games. Like that didn't surprise me at all. Like I, I walked into that room and looked at my play time and I was like, this game ain't over. Like there's, there's going to be something. And then there was. And so it didn't bother me. I don't know. I just loved the whole game. I had a, I had an amazing time. I'll probably replay it in the near future. Uh, the only thing about Prey really that disappointed me was the fact that, uh, uh, let me let me check if this is still true. But at the time of me playing it, there is no way to get the Moon Crash DLC for the Game Pass version of the game. You just can't do it. I would have to buy the game somewhere else and then buy the DLC there. That's the, weird. The only thing about Moon Crash is Moon Crash isn't even like a proper. It's a proper standalone game. Yeah, but you have to have Prey to play it. Because it, it's yeah. uh, Moon Crash is almost a roguelike from what I've seen. I actually watched some stuff about it because it said it wasn't spoilery. Yeah, it's it's a roguelike. But I also think uh, I I don't want to spoil anything. But there's a there's a really good just the analogs to like the first ten minutes of Prey versus the next ten hours of Prey, like and the the ways that those are similar are really interesting to me. It, sure. it has a it has a symmetry to it, kind of. I like it a lot. It's a very good uh, it's a very good game. I can't recommend it enough if you have Game Pass. And uh, I mean, it's a hard game, I guess. I I don't even know. It, it was not easy. It wasn't like Souls hard or anything. If you liked Bioshock, I hear it's very similar to that. I haven't loved, played Bioshock. Loved Bioshock. I hear it's similar to the first Bioshock. Yeah, specifically Bioshock One. Yeah, I guess uh, there was some. I mean, there's even a move in the game called Psycho Shock, and I guess like Errant Signal brought it up a lot that that you know that was probably a working title for this game, mm-hmm. but uh, Psycho Shock is not a. Uh, there are issues with that as a name, I guess culturally. I I might be missing something there. I hope huh. I'm not saying something inappropriate right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's news to me. But I think we'll it. Um, I think the problem Errant Signal said was that it made people think of a. Uh, Shock therapy, which, yeah, that's okay. nasty and a very disgusting part of our history, but I don't know. Anyway, so Connor, Connor, it's yeah. like a 9 out of 10, maybe a 9.5. It's very Oh, good. wow, that's that's very, uh, very much praise from you, Connor. Yeah. Do you have other games? Uh, I think that's the only one I'm going to talk about this week. Okay. I was going to say if you had more, maybe we could like cycle through them, so... One of us doesn't have to drone on for a long period of time. Yeah, I talked about Prey for a long time, so I'm going to... And we've already had Mike talk about it before, so... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I guess... I, guess uh, I can go. So, I've been playing a few games, right? So, the first game I want to talk about... A uh, little uh, callback to last week. I've been playing Super Mario World. God, I was hoping you were going to talk so, about this. Yeah, so no, this 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 game is really great. Okay, so let me let me just put that is put that it? out there first. Yeah, second no, no, best okay. Mario game. Yeah, no, it's it's really really good. Yeah. I'm very very bad at 2D platformers. I've discovered that, but despite that fact, I'm still enjoying this game. I think something that really helps is the fact that if you play it through the Nintendo Switch Virtual Console, you can like create artificial save points. And I always do that at the beginning of a level. I don't do it mid-level because I feel like that's a little bit too cheap. But yeah, like, I, um, I did notice like weird. sometimes when you die, like completely die in a level, it sets you back like several levels. And I was not about that. 
Yeah, it does. It you your only save points are castles and ghost houses. I think. Yeah. But yeah, another thing that really sort of impressed me about this game is just the seemingly insane volume of secrets. Did you find the super secret place? Yeah, the one you directed me to? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And yeah. and that was really cool. Like, I think that's... It's, it's the, like the most useful thing in the game. Like, I can't even imagine yeah. playing Super Mario World without having the super secret place unlocked. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was doing that before I had that, and it was it was definitely more difficult. But, um... Yeah, like so there 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 are things in this game like I I feel like I'm not even seeing most of the things in this game. That's how many secrets there are. Like I only found one of the Switch palaces so far and I'm like in world I'm like towards the end of world 4 or 5 I think. I'm yeah, currently Yeah, definitely missed at least one. Yeah. yeah. I'm currently in the Forest of Illusion and I'm oh, kind of stuck there cuz I yeah. I've gone through like most of the levels there but like and and I really like the gimmick there where like you have to find like a secret way out of each of the levels there to progress yeah it's some but of the I easiest guess, secrets in the game but uh but i guess i haven't not uh, like, super easy so i'm in forest of illusion 4 and i can't find a secret entrance out there uh in that level yet so i'm kind of stuck there so like that's yeah that, that was what uh, filtered me as a kid i remember i got to forest of illusion super mario world is the first game i ever played <laughs> And so I'm okay, like yeah. four years old or whatever, and I don't think I had seen a secret exit. I don't think I even knew that that was a thing. And I, I get to Forest of Illusion, and that was it. That was just, I played those levels over and over as a kid, and I still had a blast, but I never did get out of it. And you know, so like, uh, part of my like Dark Souls playing mentality came out when I was uh, like doing one of the levels. I, was, I think like the, one of the levels had like Kamek, like the witch, right? Yeah. And she was like casting spells at you, and like you're you're on like this two tiered like level, right? And like if she hits, if she uses a spell and you dodge it, it hits the platform, it breaks, so you can drop down to the level below. But if that level breaks, you know there's like lava below that, right? Like you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I know the I know the exact castle you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was a boss fight, so I was just like for the longest time trying to kill her. Oh, like I, I was like, you know, I'm not like it, 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 I, I can be really dumb sometimes when you play games, right? Like dumb you in the sense of like, stubborn. Yeah, yeah in, in the sense of like stubbornness, right? Like I didn't even have a mushroom like I was in my small form. Right. And I was like, so I died in one hit. But I was just like, no, she's making me so mad. I'm going to kill her like this just to prove whatever I have to prove. Right. So I sat there for like over an hour just stepping on her head. And then I was just like, what is this? There's no way, like, this boss isn't going down at this point. And then me being the idiot that I am discovered that, like, if you move, like, five feet to the right, you saw that, like, it was a level and you had to actually, like, run through it. So, like, <laughs> I wasted an inordinate amount of time trying to beat her when you were, in reality, just supposed to, like, progress through the level while, like, fending her off. Yeah. That is uh, that level's so good. Super Mario World just has some amazing levels in it. Yeah, it's it, it's it's very. And the good. introduction of Yoshi. I mean, the introduction and, in my opinion, best implementation of Yoshi. I don't, I don't know what Nintendo is so afraid of in modern Mario, where they will not let you take Yoshi between levels. I don't the get it. The sheer power of Yoshi. Yeah, the sheer power of Yoshi. I mean, I don't know. You just look at Nintendo back in like. I mean, there's a huge difference. Like, you look at uh, Nintendo back then versus Nintendo now. Super Mario Bros. 3, 
you can tanuki fly through most of a level and you can also like p-wing and just or um cloud and you can just skip levels super mario world you can use the cape to just skip levels you know you, you get up in yeah, the air and just fly i, over I did want to bring up like the 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 most fun part about Super Mario World is probably the cape. The cape is amazing, right? It's like such a good power. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's to the point where like I don't even want the other power ups, right? Like maybe yeah. a mushroom to stay alive, but like I don't want the fire flower or anything. I just want the cape. But, I forget. It, and it's so interesting, like the way they design the levels, right? Because like each level is designed for like there's something for you to, to you to discover if you have the cape. I feel like, oh, yeah. right? Like there's some like hidden platform with something in it that you'll most likely never see if you don't have the cape in that level. Is uh is it the ver- the one you're playing? Is it the version where when you get hit with the cape you turn big or do you turn small? I think you turn small. I think. Okay, I think that's the original. I I played the Game Boy Advance version a lot too, and uh, in it, I, it's one of the two they switched it where one of them, one of them you yeah, get hit. Yeah, I I, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't remember. I haven't played uh Super Mario World in a while. I actually have a cartridge of it upstairs that I play sometimes. Yeah, so I, I, I'm still going through that game. I, how how far into the game am I? Like, I think I'm near the end of the Forest of Illusion. Yeah, I'd put you a little past halfway. Okay, yeah. Probably. Maybe more than that. I don't know. I've never played the game uh, the right way. I always take the shortcuts. The right way? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I feel like there's so many shortcuts that I just missed, but I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah, the, um, there's a shortcut. Um, The first level you can get... It's like the first level off of the beginning island. There's a shortcut you can take there that puts you on the path. You, you, it's it's like a bunch more shortcuts after that, but you can get to the end of the game really quickly from there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like, and this is, you know, like I said, this is a great game, but I will say that I still, after playing a good chunk of this game, stand firm in my decision, or our decision, rather, from last week and putting Odyssey over it. I do think Odyssey is the better game, but that is also probably largely to the fact that like I don't really play 2D platformers, so I feel like my opinion is maybe a little colored by that, but I do think I prefer Odyssey to this. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they're very yeah. different games. so. But no, I absolutely intend to finish it, and honestly, it's a lot more fun than I was, than I was expecting it to be. So there's that. I knew it would be. Another game I have been playing for the first time ever, uh, A Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Oh, man. So, yeah. Okay. I've never so beat it. So. This game is incredible. Um, th- so I think this this game, even more so than Mario Super Mario World for me, is is sort of just really enraptured me. Like, And I just made it to the Dark World, right? So I feel like I'm very early in the game still. Yes. But... um. Yeah, like so. This is one of those games that I just never played, right? So getting to the dark world is like the equivalent of becoming adult Link in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I, I figured, right? Like I was seeing so many parallels to Ocarina. Just in yeah, this it's game. crazy how much they got right. I mean, a link to the past is the formula. They got it yeah, so no, right. I, you and know, then followed that formula in my forever. in my ignorance. In my ignorance, I thought Ocarina was the formula, but it's clearly this game. It's like definitely this, a link to the past. This yeah. this game is the template from which the other Zelda spawned. And it's uh, only like the, the only thing Zelda Ocarina game. had, you know, original was just the conversion to 3D that it did masterfully, I think. Yeah. But like the ideas, the concept of like traveling back and forth between two disparate like dimensions or time periods or whatever, a Link to the Past did it first, and it did it and really better. Well, it did it 
it yeah. did it better. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'm still I, too early to say whether it did it better, but I it did it more. You, like, Ocarina I don't doubt time, it. You only really do it a few times, you know, but in yeah. uh, A Link to the Past, you actually travel between the two worlds a bunch. And then A Link Between Worlds, you should probably play. Yes, I, I do want to play that as well. It so does it, it really it's interesting because well I, I did play Link's Awakening. I played like the Switch remake of Link's Awakening. And a lot of the mechanics in Link's Awakening are present in this game, right? Because this game directly preceded Link's Awakening, right? Like it came out right, right before Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening started as a Game Boy port of A Link to the Past. And okay, they quickly yeah. decided to do something else. Yeah, like a lot of the mechanics, a lot of the like the dash and stuff, like I, rem- I recall very vividly from Link, uh, Link's Awakening. But yeah, this game, this is just so, it's so good. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. Like, uh, it's, 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 it's the epitome of 2D Zelda, I think, at least from what I've played so far. Like, the world is brimming with secrets, and it's just like, how were they able to do this so well without that third dimension? Right? It's incredible how right they got it when yeah. that was only their third try. And that's like not, I mean, that. Like, getting it right on the third try is, like, super common with Nintendo. Like, Super Metroid was the third Metroid game. Uh, Mario Bros. 3. Yeah, Mario Bros. 3. Mario Bros. 3 and Mario World, you know, are extremely similar games. So, you know. Yeah. It's it's a toss-up there, as we we discussed. But yeah, you know, the third game, that's when they hit their stride. The second game being weirdly different is also a theme for them. No, but, like, it, it just surprises me so much, because, like, <clears throat> I always knew this game was, like, really held up, like, as as a masterpiece, right? But, like, I always thought, like, how much of that was just, uh, it was a product of its time, right? Like, I never sort of knew. Oh, no, you could release A Link to the this, Past this tomorrow. Game, yeah, no, this game absolutely still holds up 100%, which is just mind-blowing to me. I wouldn't like, even say there's a single part about it that feels dated, like... I guess maybe the dialogue, but that's kind of really a oh, dumb. Oh yeah, the effect. dialogue. Yeah. yeah, the writing's a little, a little spotty. Yeah. But honestly, that is true of a lot of modern games too. Yeah. No, like this, 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 this captures the Zelda formula so well because it is the Zelda, like it is the originator of the Zelda formula. I see that now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like I, I can't wait to get back and play it. Honestly, like this, th- this game is really scratching that itch for me of like. A Zelda masterpiece. I just never thought I'd find it here, and but I have, you know, like it's yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's yeah, it's a masterpiece. I really want to go back and uh, I want to finish that. I, you, you talking about it's got me eyeing my uh, SNES Classic that I have it on. I think that's my most complete save so far. I have like gotten through the first half of that game so many times and then gotten bogged down. Yeah, and, and there's like so many little things I'm keeping in my head, right? Like, because <laughs> Zelda games are like known for like just being packed to the brim with like little secrets and stuff like that, and like I, I just want to make sure I remember to get back to everything. And like I, you yeah. know, I just got the Master Sword and I just went to the Dark World, but like there's so many things outside of the Dark World that I still have to think about, right? Like. And this just sort of doubles that now. So it's it's just crazy. Yeah, I would say my only beef with A Link to the Past, and this is a beef I have with all 2D Zelda, is that dungeons can look extremely samey. Yeah, yeah, I guess if, if we wanted to get into some criticism, yeah, like the dungeons, the dungeons, while very good, so they're far, aesthetically samey. Yeah, they're, they're aesthetically samey, samey, and I would argue not as good as some of the 3D dungeons. I think they, I think the Zelda team gets better at dungeons generally. 
the more there, there's something about a third dimension that makes it easier but i do think you are too early in the game to necessarily make yeah that i call. mean i've only done like three or four dungeons right so yeah you, you've done the baby uh tutorial dungeons yeah and uh so yeah no you're you're absolutely right I'm I, I also think a link to the past does overworld dungeons like better than any other zelda game probably like there's a part where you have to like guide a, a man through a dark cave or something yeah i did early that on. yeah that's super good it, it's good, but it's, like, really short, right? It was only, like, two screens. Oh, extremely so. short, yeah. yeah. But, you know, just, I mean, I remember it, and I haven't played this game in over a year. And right, it was a yeah. Segment, you know? And you remember it, too, although I guess it's more fresh in your mind. But it's a it's a really good game. Yeah, and I'm, I like, I'm thinking of all the classic Zelda things. Like, I'm looking for all the pieces of heart and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what items I get in the dungeons because some of these items i've never really seen in a zelda game before which I means the, like they the later don't really be familiar yeah like the maybe the later ones will be familiar but like the book of moldova that you use oh to God, translate yeah. the ancient hylian language that's like not a thing i don't think I don't think that's what it was called originally yeah they like they didn't i think it was these... just called the holy book originally yeah but it, it had a lot of religious references in the original i don't know how much they've changed the switch release Okay, but yeah, like it's it's just interesting to me to think that like maybe there are things in this game that are original to this game that they didn't carry forward, which which yeah. you know is is really cool. But like obviously they did carry a lot of stuff forward. Like I, I I'm the the boomerang and the bow and arrow and the bombs. Like that's all Zelda staples. But like I wonder if I'm going to see like a hook shot later in this game or if that was introduced later. And that sort of like unknown is really exciting to me as I Have play you this played game. Other 2D Zelda or is this your first one? I've played The Legend of Zelda. Like, okay. but I, I I never beat it, right? Like I just yeah, played. me neither. I I've played about half of it. I I got stuck. I haven't as, played as Adventure of Link. I played Link's Awakening, and now I'm playing I, this. I uh I was gonna recommend Minish Cap. Uh, if you're having a really good time. Yeah, I really yeah Minish I want to check Cap out. Is, I, I started I, I, Minish, Minish Cap, Cap is like the prettiest 2D Zelda. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's no, it's, it's gorgeous. I, I started Minish Cap way back in the day, but I never I I never got really far into it. I don't even have enough for an opinion so i definitely need to replay minish cap but yeah, i highly recommend minish cap and i also um i'll get dunked on for this but i, I like the i like the nintendo ds zelda games i really liked phantom hourglass and spirit tricks yeah i mean they're okay they like i've played, terribly, I've, played I liked them. I've played phantom hourglass i've not played spirit tracks but like phantom hourglass was the most it's just okay zelda experience i've ever had it's so by that you know metric zelda games being the masterpieces they are probably the worst zelda game i've played i think oh uh, it, it's better than uh that's better than the zelda 2 but zelda 2 you think yeah. it's way better than zelda 2 zelda 2 sucks but zelda 2 is like a black sheep right yeah it's the, it's a 2d side scrolling zelda it doesn't i don't like it very much but yeah, I think I think I, I've said my piece on links uh, a link to the past. I definitely plan on finishing it, and uh, I do want to sort of hint at the fact that I want us to do another tournament style ranking of the Zelda games. But I do want to finish a few Zelda games before. Yeah, I was gonna say I I have a couple Zelda games I need to play through if we're gonna do that. Yeah, I uh, I played all the 3D ones, but I I never finished Spirit Tracks. I uh, I haven't played Minish Cap, and I have not played either of the Oracle games. Yeah, I think my list is the same, pretty much, except for I haven't played Zelda 2 as well. And uh, and Skyward Sword, to be honest, so. Yeah, yeah, I'll so do we want to wait until Skyward Sword HD comes out? Yeah, no, out. I mean, I will wait a few months, right? But, like, I, I just want to put it out there that, like, that one's going to happen eventually. Yeah. 
Okay, and uh, f- final game. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, so th- this one will be a lot shorter. I've been playing Fall Guys. Have you bought uh, any this week? <laughs> <laughs> it's been two weeks, I'll have you know. Yeah, did you take two weeks off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so Fall Guys... I I only played this yesterday, right? So I only played it for like I played it for like three or four hours yesterday, but they released season four, I believe, and they added like a squads mode. So I was playing with a couple other friends, and it was super fun. Uh, they they found a way to translate all of their like solo games into squads as well, right? So like the games are the same, and you're just sort of graded like uh, based on like when you finish. So like if you're in a race, right, like in a in a solo game, right? Like if you finish, you know, like if you're one of like 30 people that finishes, you qualify, for example, right? But in a squads game, uh, once you cross that finish line, you get a set amount of points for your team based off when you finished. And anything below a certain threshold, uh, like anything below like fourth place in terms of points gets cut off, right? And that's how they do eliminations. So I just think that was a clever solution, right? So they've managed to incorporate all of their games into both modes. So you can play... Uh, play them all either single or with a squad and they've added a bunch of new maps as well and i think the theme for this season is like future so they're like a lot of futuristic looking maps and stuff like that and uh yeah no it, it was a very very much a fun time very much an infuriating time too because that game really raises my blood pressure sometimes but some of the newer games are harder than the old ones too i noticed i actually played uh season four wasn't out yet when i played but i i picked it up recently too and got back into it just a bit and i found the maybe it's just because i was so comfortable in the season one games yeah but i i found i was getting a lot of new games and i was not getting as far no, as i, I typically I, did i actually think like the difficulty is pretty uniform across the games it's just a matter of getting used to the new games i think hmm. And I do think it, Fall Guys is in a really good spot right now, whereas, like, you know, back in Season 1 it was when it was really hot, like, there were a few games, right? And, like, people really played those few games over and over again and maybe got tired of it after a while. But there's such a huge variety of games now. Like, it keeps each go pretty pretty fresh, I think. So You're still, still going to get perfect match at some point, though, and be infuriated. <laughs> dude, in all of the matches I played yesterday, not one perfect match. Oh, really? I got perfect just, match when I was playing. I think that just speaks to the volume of games available now. So yeah, I think uh, I think Fall Guys is actually in a really good place, and I'm excited to see them add more maps. I do like that they're keeping all the maps and not, like, cycling out old maps. I think it's really cool and adds to, like, the excitement factor because you really just don't know what you're going to get next. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong. I, I, I was wrong in my take when the game came out that I thought that they should cycle out games. Yeah, I mean, maybe if it gets, like, really unwieldy, but, like, they're definitely not at that point yet. Yeah. Okay, I've talked enough. Uh, what about you, Mike? All right, so I dove back into the wonderful world of submarine sims. Oh. Subnautica? No, I've been playing oh, you both. Real submarines. Real submarine sims. Real, so, yeah, big boy submarine games. Big boy okay. submarine games, not subnautica. Um... You know, I never thought I had an itch to play submarine games until I played my first one, which I think was Dangerous Waters, and I'm like, this is kind of cool. And I saw submarine games are a thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're just. I was gonna say, Mike, I really appreciate the flavor you bring to the show because you play a (laughs) lot of games that me and Amit have never even heard of. Yeah. Uh, I saw a video on it from like a YouTuber I watch, and I'm like, this actually looks kind of cool. 
playing in a submarine, sinking ships, not too in-depth, because I hate actual in-depth sub-sims. So it's not like Microsoft Flight Sim level? It's not. Okay. Mainly That's because good. a lot of that stuff is a pain, and you'll be sitting there for actual real hours yeah. waiting to see. Right. You're not, you're not really trying to train an actual submariner here. You're just trying to enjoy a submarine game? Yeah, I'm just trying to enjoy the feeling of uh, being a German U-boat captain. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Keep talking, Mike. <laughs> oh, no, you know my true motives now. No, I, I don't think I've committed any war crimes yet, thankfully. So what's this game called? U-boat. U-boat, okay. I think it's by these Russian devs. I think they might be Russian. But, um... Yeah, you're a submarine captain. There's not much more to describe there other than the typical submarine fare. You go <laughs> what out. What is your typical submarine you fare? You go out. You get a mission. You try not to get killed by an aircraft that will inevitably come down and bomb you to death. <laughs> very, very quickly. So is this like taking place during World War II or something? Or yeah, this is World War II. So okay. most of the missions are like, oh, go out here and sink a freighter, and you can see on the map like, oh, hey, Germany's winning, and then they don't win. <laughs> it's yeah, it's literally you just like driving around in the ocean sinking ships. It's very satisfying though. Okay, yeah, because yeah, there's that moment uh... of uh, there's that moment of tension where you're kind of surfaced on the water where you don't know if anyone can see you or not because if they can see you surely that that aircraft's going to come by and you're going to have a rough day yeah it's wild to me that like there there's a game for everything right like there really is like i never even thought of like a submarine game past subnautica you, you know like i i've never thought of that but yeah obviously it, exists, it exists. A sim game for it Another yeah. game I've been playing, coincidentally, it's a tank mechanic simulator. Nah, I kid. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't I surprise mean, I me, though. I haven't played it, but... There's just, I just like sim games. Yeah. I can't is describe the, it. Is the U-Boat game, uh, is that VR compatible? Uh, I think they're working on a VR. It's in early access right now, but they're regular with their dev updates. I think they are working with a... No, there is a VR release of it, actually. Okay, because the, the game I Expect You to Die had a, a submarine level, and nothing since then has affected me the way that the submarine level of I Expect You to Die did. There's something about, like, Isn't absolutely... That by Shell? Yeah, Shell Games, yeah. So we, we actually know these guys. But um, there's something about feeling like you're in a tiny tin can at the bottom of the ocean that is so unnerving in VR. Oh, like yeah. I, I swear you like smell the the submarine air. Like it feels so real. Yeah, it's amazing the tricks VR can play on your brain. That's why I tell people like you really don't fully understand VR until you experience it. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care how much you research it or watch videos on YouTube. Like you have that's like you have to see it to believe it. You have to do it to believe it. That's yeah, you can you can watch a YouTube video all you want, but the YouTube video will not tell you the actual feeling of looking through those goggles. Yeah. Yeah, which is why, like, I don't know, like, I really hope VR, and I think it will, I think VR is poised to explode even more with th this generation. But Are uh, you going to get a PC VR kit with your new PC, Amid? I don't know. I think, 
I think I, mean, I think you'd be remiss not to get a cheaper one if you, if you I, right now I'm very edge. excited for the next PlayStation VR just because like every sign points to it being very competent and I'm excited. There's a good for that. chance it'll be PC compatible too, so you might. Yeah. Just want to so yeah. I, I think I'm just going to hold off and get that and then see where I stand. But but yeah, I'm I'm very much excited to really jump into like next level VR because keep in mind like most of my experience with VR has been like PSVR which is very sort of like on the lowest end of the yeah, of the yeah. gamer grade VR solutions so yeah excited you know, for that every bone in my body wants to buy a Valve Index but I I know I cannot financially justify that yeah I really just don't recommend the Valve Index if I'm being honest I just think in a couple like there are no games that support its exclusive features Excuse me. No full and, motion um, tracking. Yeah, the o- the only reason I would suggest a uh, an index is that it has the best tracking on the market. Like, yeah, y- you know, and, and really, tracking issues don't. I don't get that many. Is Half Life exclusive? No, to the no, Valve I, I have index. Okay. I I'm looking for probably at like an Oculus Quest. Honestly, a, a Quest Two is a very nice headset. The only problem is that you have to have a Facebook account. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have one. I mean, everyone's got a Facebook account, right? Whether or yes. not you use it. I, I do not like. I I don't like the precedent. I don't want yeah. my social media tracking my gameplay and stuff. I don't like it, and I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I don't like Facebook as a company. What do you I, use, uh, Connor? Huh? What do you use for VR headset? I have no. a Windows Mixed Reality headset. I still have my Lenovo Explorer. Uh, I don't even think you can get those anymore. They're pretty rare, but I picked it up for like 200 bucks back in the day. Well, my dad did. I got it for Christmas. They uh, they had bundled them with a bunch of laptops, and people didn't want them. And uh, you could pick them up real cheap on the used market. Like yeah, they don't Windows Mixed Reality. Do, do they make those anymore? I don't think they make the Lenovo Explorer, but the Windows Mixed Reality brand isn't dead. There's actually a uh, there's a headset called the Reverb G2 that is like really good like almost index level good it's like 600 bucks um i think the original reverb is still out there there's a couple other windows mixed reality headsets out there you know it's in, baffling the, in the 200 to, to 400 dollar price range i think with min- windows mixed reality being a thing it's just baffling to me that microsoft isn't really embracing oh, vr it's, it's the only misstep i think microsoft's doing right now like other than the, that they're pretty on point the only consistent problem i've had with windows mixed VR, there there are kind of two of them one, it still uses HDMI, I think. I don't know if the Reverb G2 does, but HDMI, I don't love that. I kind of wish it used DisplayPort, and, uh, which I think you can buy a converter. I'm pretty sure it's not a huge deal. Um, two, the it, it only has two cameras for its inside-out tracking, uh, except for the G2, I believe. So if you put your hands real low or real high, you can lose tracking. And uh, throwing doesn't work super great. Uh you know, like picking up something in VR and trying to throw it. Something about the way it calculates, it's um, it, it interpolates your movement and stuff. A lot of games, throwing doesn't work super well. Half-Life Alex is like the only game I can comfortably throw stuff in. Yeah, I feel like throwing is a pretty important mechanic in most VR games. It, it doesn't stop me as often as you would think. There are very few games that like are annoying to play. Uh, there's only one game that's up. ever stopped me from playing. Uh, Accounting plus. Uh, oh yeah. There's a part where you have to throw a guy at another guy, and I found it extremely difficult to do. It took me almost half an hour to get past that part because yeah. uh, 
I just yeah, it's, see, see, it's little things like that why I think VR is not mainstream yet. Like, it's little things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because that was just a little hardware hiccup that made the game, yeah. like, I just couldn't get past it. There was no... Like, yeah. once they're, like, the hardware hiccups are sorted out, I feel like it's, it's, it's and, 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 you know, becomes well, easier for are. the mass consumer. But this headset's, like, four years old or something. Like, yeah. That, that, I actually don't know how old this headset is. It's at least three years old. But, yeah. uh, yeah. That, no, that. I mean, to be fair, I don't think, have any of us really tried out cutting edge VR stuff lately? Like, we haven't. So I, I have, um, well, I haven't used a Quest 2 yet. I've used a Quest, and it's an extremely good experience. Yeah. So, for all we know, it could be there, but. Yeah. The Quest 2 definitely is. Like, you pick up a Quest 2, and you play the Quest 2 exclusive games, you're having a positive, excellent VR experience. Yeah. Uh, once you hook that up to your PC, I don't really know anymore. But that is an option. And they're so cheap. They're like $300 or something for a Quest 2. Yeah, that's uh, that's very attractive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the Quest 2 is actually like a mobile VR. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to hook it up to a PC. You can just play it wherever. I uh, The cable is yeah. like $79, so I might just buy the Quest and the cable. You- you can get a cheaper cable. You do not have to buy the the stupid Facebook brand cable. Uh, do your research, but I think there's a anchor. I think Anchor has one. Anchor makes extremely good stuff. Yeah, I'm a and, fan uh, of Anchor. They they have a cable that is uh, compatible and works fine. It's like twenty dollars or something. I uh I don't like Facebook. <laughs> I do like. Obviously, this isn't something I've done now, but something that has occurred to me is like the idea of traveling. The fact that I could bring my Quest 2 on a plane with me and, like, sit in a movie theater on an airplane and watch a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that sort, of thing's gonna be, that th- sort of thing's going to be a lot more commonplace. It'll look very weird at first, but I, I do think, you know, 10 years from now, I'd, I'd say, like, a good chunk of people in planes are have yeah. helmets on. So and I, and I don't think there are any other VR headsets on the market right now that, like do that in a good way like the quest 2 is extremely high resolution it it has the theater apps and everything it has the storage to put a couple movies on it that really is like exciting. that's like the selling point for the quest 2 to me over any other vr headset is uh traveling with it and for, you know that hasn't mattered for the past year for obvious reasons but uh coming up soon i intend to do a lot of traveling to make up for that and uh i may break my uh, vows against facebook and pick up a quest 2 i don't know yeah, we'll see how strong my uh, principles are. So submarine game, submarine game. Anything sorry, else? Why do you build your game? That that's about it. Other than I've gotten back into Satisfactory because <sighs> the new update that's, launched. That's old news. You always play Satisfactory. Yeah, I, I mean, I I get into the new update, don't actually get to the new update content, and then quit playing yeah. Satisfactory, <laughs> waiting for the next update. That's so it's so really relatable. like a. It's it's a de- it's a vicious cycle. Eventually, the game's just gonna launch, and I'm just gonna have to make it to the end tiers. Oh, what a game! Yeah, what a game. I still think I prefer Satisfactory to Factorio. Uh, I really like thinking in 3D and stuff, but I'm really enjoying Factorio too. I'll probably talk about it next week once I've played it a little more. Alrighty, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use click the link in the description of this podcast to join our discord and talk to us there thank you connor and mike yep see you guys next week
Yep. See you next time. Bye.